Welcome to the Ram Iyer Podcast with your host, Ram Iyer, thought leader, author, keynote speaker, workshop leader, and mentor. Listen to his engaging conversations with experts from across the world and his personal insights that will help you create a better life, become more successful, and achieve your personal greatness. Now, here's Ram! Welcome to Business Thinking Radio. I'm Ram Ayer, your host and president of the Business Thinking Institute in Princeton. Today's show is about a conversation with Hans Widdig, who is the professor of economics finance at the University of Bergen in Norway. Hans has done some very interesting research about how business knowledge is passed on from generation to generation. And the IQ of the younger generation influences whether they follow in their parents' footsteps or not, and what kind of business they get into. We learn a lot from our parents, particularly during our formative years, before we head off to college. Most children, including my own, often complain, stop lecturing me, or I know that happened to you, but my life will be different. Hans has done research on the effect of parental knowledge handed down to children and how it influences their choice of profession. Additionally, he has researched the correlation between the intelligence as measured by IQ and what professions children follow, whether they follow in their footsteps or branch off into a new field. He has also looked into high-tech entrepreneurs. As a researcher, everything he does is based upon research, data, and analysis. A lot of this work that we're going to talk about was done while he was a visiting professor at Stanford. He has also taught at MIT amongst other schools. Welcome, Hans. Thank you. Please tell me a little bit about uh, this research that you did. So what we did here, this is joint work, by the way, with Paul Lawyer, who's a professor of economics at Stanford Business School. The motivation here was to try to understand what goes into the entrepreneurial black book. There's a lot of research on entrepreneurs, but, you know, do they succeed? Who become entrepreneurs? But much less on, you know, what type of entrepreneurs do they become and where do they get their knowledge from? So there's been some focus on schooling. I'm sure you're aware of these entrepreneurship courses. There's entrepreneurship curriculum at business schools, different types of education. There's also a question, what a college now, we focus on informal education, if you like. It's education, it's things you learn from your parents. And we focus in particular on the father-son relationship. It, it's not because we think the daughter-mother is uninteresting. It's just that that's where we have the high-quality data. So what we find is that entrepreneurs tend to follow their dads in the following way. They tend to start up a firm in the same industry as where their dad was employed. So the dad doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. I mean, we're not sort of conditioning on that. We're saying, well, suppose that the dad worked in the hotel industry as, you know, manager or whatever. Where does his son tend to become entrepreneur? It turns out he tends to become entrepreneur in the hotel industry. The propensity to do that is actually, it's big. It's like what we find that there's enormous data set of Norwegian entrepreneurs. It's covering all of them in, in principle. We're using Norwegian registered data. Is that more than half of entrepreneurs tend to start up a business in the same industry or a closely related industry to where their father was employed. We, we, I find that really striking. It's like 55%, even more than that. 
The other thing we find, I guess, which is most striking is that these entrepreneurs do well uh, with the qualification. The ones that start up a business in the exact same industry as where their dad worked. So that would be, you know, hotel industry, for the example. They tend to do better, and the performance differences measured in, you know, firm survival, firm growth, is actually pretty good. So, so imagine two entrepreneurs in the hotel industry. One had a dad that worked in the hotel industry, and the other one didn't. The one with a dad that worked in the hotel industry performs much better. It's like five percentage points bigger chance of company surviving growth rates that are substantially uh, larger and, and, and so on. So I think these are the two most striking things that entrepreneurs tend uh, in, in a big way to pick an industry that is close to where their dad works. And, and it is very beneficial for performance as long as it's in a narrowly defined industry. So just to kind of set the stage a little bit, you know, for these conclusions of what you found, you had access to a large pool of data, which is basically all the businesses in the country of Norway. Yeah. Correct? So how large was that data set? So the data set is something like less than 100,000 businesses, but but more than 50,000. The thing that jumps out at me right away is, you know, in the olden days, if your father was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. Your father was a blacksmith, you became a blacksmith. So you're saying that there is strong indication that the same kind of pattern continues even to this day. So there's one qualification. We're not saying that, you know, the dad is an electrician and then the son becomes an electrician. I mean, that can happen too. But what we're saying is that your dad works in a particular industry. Let's take the hotel or restaurant industry again. And we think that during childhood and upbringing, over the dinner table, if you like, human capital and entrepreneurship, they would transmit knowledge about the hotel industry, what it's like to run a hotel or to be a manager, manage the reception of a hotel or, or whatever it is they're doing. And that industry knowledge would then feed into the sun, we'll learn things and, and we'll get like a head start. I think that's the way to think about it. Get a head start if he starts up a business in that industry. Now, the mechanism is we think we actually did a survey we asked like 25,000 people what are the mechanisms this idea of informal you know communication at home over the dinner table when we ask these entrepreneurs would they say that is important there's another channel that is also very important and that's following your dad to work and quite often via summer jobs like you're a student or you know at high school or something and your dad finds a summer job uh, where you can work close to him or in the same firm. That's an important channel too. You could learn at home at the dinner table in a, around the family, right? Second yeah. thing is you can get a summer apprenticeship or you go and work in your father's company, yes. whatever his business is. Those are the three. This is the kind of tension we had in mind or the trade-off if you like. You know, I'm an economist. I like to talk about trade-offs. Is that... You can take that knowledge, that stuff you learn about the industry from your dad. Okay, that will be like a human capital gift. You can use that and either become an entrepreneur or become a worker in that industry, become an employee. We do analysis for employees too. The other thing I also read in your paper is based upon the IQ of the children, Mm. they tended to succeed in certain kinds of industries or not. Yeah. And people in technology entrepreneurship, you said, tended to be people with higher IQ. Tell me about that. So this is sort of what is going on. We, we knew, I think, that 
education is going to be correlated with IQ. And when I say correlated, it does a lot of smart people who, who do not have like what a you know master's degree or PhD or anything. Definitely are people the IQ is not that high and they still have a, a lot of education. So correlation means sort of broad pattern. It doesn't mean like anything kind of deterministic going on. But anyway, so what we knew from before is that there is a correlation between education, length of education and IQ. I think what, is, what was less known was that there's actually a very strong correlation between ending up in high tech and IQ. Now, probably at a certain education level, but I think there's also other stuff going on. It's actually, there's a very interesting study on inventors. Inventors, uh, people that have a patent, and they find that even after you take into account education level, IQ plays a big role in predicting who gets a patent and who don't. So there's quite a few people that have a high IQ, but they don't necessarily have that many years of education. They become entrepreneurs. So one thing I'm figuring here is if you have a high IQ, you're more likely to end up in high technology as an entrepreneur. Yep. But not everybody in high tech entrepreneurship has a high IQ. Right. It's kind of not a positive correlation in both directions. No, no, it is. It is a positive correlation in both directions, but I'm just saying that it's not like you have to have a high IQ to do, you know, whatever. It's just that there's this sort of a tendency, which is relatively strong. There's a lot of exceptions in the data, but it's definitely correlation, and it works both ways. Now, you might wonder also about performance in IQ. So do high IQ entrepreneurs do better? Now, there we don't find much. Once you become an entrepreneur, you pick your industry, then IQ doesn't seem to have much of an effect. But remember, there's already a lot of selection going on. So among high-tech entrepreneurs, they do tend to have high IQ, kind of all of them. Even so, the variation there is uh, doesn't seem to predict anything. So it predicts, do you become a high-tech entrepreneur? But after that, IQ doesn't seem to predict much. We talked a little bit about high-tech entrepreneurship. One other thing I read in your paper is, there are certain industries, so you kept uh, giving examples of the hotel yeah. industry. That is what I would consider low-tech as compared yeah. to biomedical engineering yeah. and printing lungs or something yeah. like that, right? So you said that in low-tech uh, industries, the IQ is less important and the knowledge that is passed down, what yeah. I call family learning, is yeah. more important. That's how these people make their choices. And, and again, remember, we, we're talking about choices of like many tens of thousands of people. So these are very robust and, and, and a significant finding. That there is a tendency for lower IQ. They tend to become entrepreneurs in more traditional industry and follow their dads, while the ones with higher IQ tend to take higher education and they don't follow their, they're much less likely to follow their dad. Now, even among the high, there's like nine IQ categories in the data. Even at the highest one, which is like category number nine, they do tend to follow their dads quite a bit. I mean, much more than kind of random allocation would suggest. So what we're saying is that for the lower IQ, they're following their dads in a big way. And for high IQ, they're, they're also following their dads, but in a much smaller way. There was another thing that jumped out at me, which is that children of entrepreneurs, though, tend to follow in the footsteps of their mm -hmm. parents. So one common theme, if I had to connect all of these mm -hmm. dots, when you have two children born on the same mm -hmm. day, what the child ends up becoming, whether they go in the father's footsteps, not etc., whether they go into low tech, high tech, has a lot to do with how they are raised, what surroundings they are in. So we're right? kind of saying the two things. One thing is what they learn about the you know an industry at home, 
And the other thing would be the IQ. Okay, so these would be the two things that would we study in this paper and, and seem to have both of them uh, seem to have a very big impact. So one is where did your dad work? That has a big impact. And the other one is IQ. It also has a big impact. So if you go back to the age-old argument of nature versus nurture, yeah, the, the nature is the IQ part, and the nurture is your upbringing and what your dad did, or what family surroundings you have. So you're saying nature and nurture are important. The nature, the IQ, will set which way you go, but how well you do depends upon the nurture because that's what's handed down to you, what kind of exposure you have in uh, your education. What handed down in terms of human capital, about the industry, about you know how to work in a hotel, that is definitely nurture. There's no doubt about it. Uh, whether IQ, you know, there's a debate. I would say IQ at age 18 is probably mostly nature, but this, this is definitely debated. There would be people that say, hey, that's going to be nurture too. It's a kind of thing, if you take a strong stance on, now I'm just telling you a little bit of how it's like to be an academic, but if you take a strong stance on this in a paper you write, and you say, oh, it's only nature, or it's only nurture, whatever, you, you're going to get a lot of enemies. So we try to avoid making any statements on this. You know, if you ask me sort of personally, let's, what do I think it is? I think it's mostly nature, based on what I read, but uh, you would not find a statement like that in a paper, and for good reason. It could be simply that because the son in this case has knowledge about this particular business handed yeah. down, and he's been exposed to it for a number of years, yeah. the likelihood of this business failing is much yes. lower. In other words, it has a higher probability of success. Yeah. And therefore, if it's an outside investor, they see it as a lower risk yes. and are therefore willing to give it yes. more money. It could be. And that would be perfectly possible, except for one thing. Very few of these businesses, almost none, would have an outside investor already in the first year. Okay, That would be just be very uncommon. Outside, I'm actually doing a paper on this right now with another uh, person at Stanford, uh, Shai Bernstein. And, and what we see there, very preliminary finding, is that outside investors will come in not in the first year because everything is too hazy and unknown and, and, and uncertain at that point. But they'll tend to come in after, let's say, between four and eight years. We don't think it's external equity investment driving that result. other interesting things that came out of that MITx interview with Professor Sharma was that people tend to learn better if they hear something, they practice it, and then they teach somebody else. So in your example, you were living with your father growing up, and he's telling you, Hans, listen to me. Here is what happens in, in negotiation. Hans, listen no. to this. You, know? you listen to that stuff, no. but it's your dad, and you say, hey, dad, you know, that doesn't make sense. Explain it to me again. No. Right, and then you turn around and show up to your sister, saying, "Let me explain to you. If you run into a negotiating right. situation, you know what you should do." Right. Now, what happens is you're hearing, you're discussing, and you're turning around right. and you're teaching somebody else, and you learn better. Absolutely. I also feel that this is going back to my, you know, sort of relationship I had with my dad. I, I think some of the stuff that I learned most from was when my dad said things like. You know, I came in that and this and that. He was in the shipping industry. In this and that situation, and you know, I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue what was going on. There was engineering stuff that I didn't understand. 
Uh, and I could kind of feel his, you know, one, he was very experienced, so he was kind of, you know, he knew what he was doing, generally speaking. But I was also thinking, maybe actually paying attention in school and learning these things and be open about it. That's going to strengthen things. Going back to a family business, you have first generation, second, third, fourth. Mm -hmm. If your dad wanted you to go into the same business that he had, chances are very high that he could have influenced you to follow in his footsteps. But then your father has lesser influence on your children. Mm -hmm. Usually they say third generation usually destroys the business. Fourth generation is out. Yeah. That's why a lot of people with private equity are waiting, saying, you know, you should cash out and enjoy the money that you have in your family right. business. Right. So the last question, as you know, is looking back at your life, what was the one thing you learned that influences what you do to this day? My dad realized that whatever he said, I would do the opposite. So he mostly shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was born in 26 and, and these guys have a very strong work ethic you know you go to work you have a temperature you feel bad you feel great you know whatever you get out of bed and you go to work so there was, some, was something about the work ethic there that I kind of liked about my dad and the way he related to people in a respectful way uh, there I learned something he finished high school like in 46 or something right after the war and he never went to university and he had a completely different professional life than I had. So I, I'm not, he wanted me to continue in his business, actually, with a small shipping in uh, import-export business, but I didn't want to. So my professional life and his professional life, they're about as different as it can be. Hans, uh, many, many thanks for taking time to come on uh, Business Thinking Radio. Uh, I enjoyed our discussion. And you know, as always, talking to you is always fun because we are able to go all over the place. And, you know, you go along with me and we kind of, Glean different things from right. there. I hope to have you back as you do more research and you can come and share that with yep. us. Thank you for listening to Business Thinking Radio. If you'd like to comment on this episode, please send an email to businessthinkingradio at businessthinking.com. This is Ram Ayer signing off. Thank you for listening to the Ram Ayer Podcast. Every week, we bring you the thought-provoking and practical conversations to help you become better, smarter, and more successful, helping you achieve your personal greatness. All from the perch of Ram Ayer, the thought leader, author, keynote speaker, workshop leader, and mentor. If you want to comment on this episode, please email us at podcasts at mitramayer.com. If you want to listen to previous episodes, please visit www.mitramayer.com forward slash podcasts. Or find the Ram Ayer podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are uploaded.